You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. My name is Steve, as I mentioned. If we haven't met, I've been a part of Treeline since its kickoff. Uh, my wife and I have been involved in different ways with Treeline. And I'm just going to tell you a few tidbits about myself so that we can get to know each other a little bit better. So I already mentioned, but my wife's name is Sarah. Um, she is awesome. Brownie points. And she has been a part of Treeline Ministry since its beginning as well. And she has been really focused on children's ministry. So if you have children or grandchildren or maybe nieces and nephews that come to church, you've probably met her or at least seen her at some point. Here's another really cool thing about us. Um, we are pregnant with our first child. Woo-hoo! So we've been praying for addition to the Nicholas household. That's our last name. So we've been praying for that, and God has blessed us. And Sarah is, she's strong. Uh, she's uh, she's going to be a great mom. So all that to say, we're excited. We're in a good season of our life. Our family is growing, and things are moving in a beautiful direction. So a little bit more about myself is my full-time career is and has been human resources. Um, so it's been a cool career. It's been great. I've appreciated it and liked it. I enjoy human resources as a whole, specifically in the business world. You could say I've had the joy of hiring and the disappointment of firing a lot of employees. So it's a very up and down manic type uh, profession, but it's been cool. But you may be asking, why is this guy who I may or may not not have seen before um, who does human resources, why is he telling me about God right now? Well, I'll just give a little bit of leverage into that. As far as ministry, I've been blessed with opportunity to have some leadership opportunities or leadership positions with homeless ministry, with uh, ministry to the addicted. I've had leadership opportunity and pretty cool season of young adult ministry where we were ministering to the 20 and 30 year olds of uh, church. And I've been on two international mission trips. And if you ever have the opportunity, I would definitely encourage you to go on a mission trip. It's just life-changing in so many ways. And then finally, I've taken multiple semesters of graduate classes for Bible and theology. So I've gotten some education too on God's Word, so it's been really cool. But really important thing, aside from all that resume type stuff, um, and most importantly for me, is I am a Christian. So uh, I wasn't always a Christian, wasn't one of those kids who was baptized and gave his life to Christ in second grade. Um, but it took me some time and journey, but I've been a Christian for about 12 years now, and I was on a very different pathway, a very different, uh, a diff- very different journey until God really did intercept that, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and life hasn't been the same, and it's been beautiful since. So that's a quick summary of myself, but with that, I want to transition to a little story. So in general, I like to think that I am fairly observant and pretty detail-oriented. I don't lose things in general. It's not something where I'm losing my keys or losing my phone every day. That's just not a part of me. But for whatever reason, at home, I seem to lose track of things. Different from losing, but I lose track of things. So to kind of lay it out, give you a little visual. My wife and I, we do not live in a mansion with elevators. Uh, We live in a two-bedroom condo, and it's what we've needed, and it's been good for us. But my point is it's not 
massive square foot. We have living room, dining room, kitchen, two bedrooms, a couple closets, and that's us. So when I lose track of things, um, it can be a little bit funny and a little bit embarrassing. So here's an example. I may be looking for a pair of jeans that I am convinced are not in my closet. Or I could be looking in my pantry to try to be the all-star husband who makes spaghetti, which is difficult for me, so that gives you a little bit of understanding of my kitchen skills. But I'll be looking in the pantry for that beautiful box of fettuccine, um, and I can't find it. So the normally, normally the way this plays out is I'll call my wife. She's in another room. Hey, Sarah, can you come on over here and help me find something? So let's say I'm looking in the closet, and she comes into the closet looking for a pair of jeans. The pair of jeans are literally right in front of me. That That's what happens a lot of times. Or that fettuccine, that box of spaghetti I'm looking for, um, it'll be on the exact shelf that I'm telling her and I'm convinced that it's not there. Either the spaghetti box walked away or Sarah put it somewhere else. Only makes sense to me in that moment. But generally, she'll point to whatever that item is. She'll <laughs> shake her head and walk away. I come back with a little bit of Bible and I say, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. A little bit of a dig in a biblical way. I wouldn't encourage it because it doesn't play well in the household. But where we go from there is, as I'm kind of you know thinking about stuff, it's strange that it happens, but I feel like I lost something that was right in front of me the whole time. So when I reflect on that, that's going to play into what some, some of the things I'm going to share today. So remember I said that. Lost something that was always right in front of you. All right. So group, in the last couple weeks, Brian's been delivering really good messages and really strong messages and very appropriate messages for us right now. So it's been based in Philippians 4 and really about anxiety and pulling back and pushing back against that anxiety. So the cool thing is, and I think Brian mentioned this in last week's message, but he didn't necessarily plan for this to be the series when all of the coronavirus and or life's craziness is going on. So I'm going to chalk that up to God having a bigger vision and a better timing than we ever could. So thank you, Lord, to that. And for me personally, God helped change my life with Philippians 4. It's a long story that I, I won't get into. Um, but Philippians 4 has been an amazing passage for us to dig deeper in. And Brian, thank you for continuing to uh, speak truth to us. All right, so group, here's where I'm going. I'm going to share some scary facts that are going on. So... Everyone's familiar with coronavirus, right? Okay, cool. So first off, thing that we've seen about coronavirus, it's called a pandemic. To me, that's a very technical word that we don't hear much that can uh, be a little bit alarming. Okay, so it's called a pandemic. Uh, the next piece would be that this is a global health crisis. And I looked it up just within the last 24 hours. There have been confirmed cases of coronavirus in 150, over 150 countries around the world, including all continents except Antarctica. So whatever the Eskimos or Antarcticans are doing, maybe we should take a little uh, note from them, but it's everywhere. There are currently flying restrictions around the world. You have to be quarantined if you might have coronavirus. The economy has sunk tremendously, and there have been a lot of significant job, job changes and job adjustments that we've all had to experience. We don't have enough healthcare infrastructure. We don't have enough tests. 
we don't have a vaccine, and we don't know how it's going to stop. So those are some sobering things that have been brought to our attention in the last X amount of weeks. So how does that make you feel? Maybe scared? A little worried? Tense? Potential feeling of, oh no? (laughs) Maybe anxiety? So if so, you're not alone. But here's what I want to call out. Brian's been preaching to us about Philippians 4. And I would imagine over the last couple weeks, we're feeling excited, really refreshed, and maybe even at peace after we hear a message from Brian from Philippians 4 or even read the Bible ourselves. But the fact that I can recite some, some facts to you about coronavirus and potentially bring on fear and or anxiety, um, I think that should be a little bit of a wake up for us that something isn't meshing or clicking, as in we're feeling good in one moment, but when the world comes at us, we're feeling very differently. So that helps me understand that I am not in control, which can be a little bit scary and anxiety-provoking because we tend to like to be in control. But I'm not in control, but it helps me remember that God is. So I just want to do a little social experiment with you. That's kind of what we went through. When I brought up Philippians 4, probably very pleasant feelings were happening, but when then I brought up things about coronavirus, maybe some unpleasant feelings were happening. So going back to that story I shared about feeling like I lost something that was right in front of me, it's easy to feel that we have lost something that has never left us. So with that, church, I want to share some key verses that are really going to play into where I dive a little deeper. Okay? So that idea that we haven't lost anything, God is still with us. I'm just going to recite a few things to you. God himself said that he will never leave nor forsake us. God himself said that he knows us. That's in Romans 8. God himself said that we, as his children, as the body of Christ, were bought with a price. That's in 1 Corinthians 6. God himself said that we are secure in his love. That's Romans 8, Romans 8, verses 31 to 35, and verse 38. And God himself said that because we are in him, we are more than a conqueror. That's in Romans 8, verse 37. So my point to all that is, we have a little bit of a unique situation. We hear what the world is telling us, but we hear what God is telling us. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. And really the purpose of what I'm trying to share today and the purpose of this message is to help you be an outlier that God has declared that we can be. Because again, if the world is saying this, but God is saying that, how do we stick to what God is saying and be an outlier from the rest of the world? To have that peace that does surpass all understanding that Philippians 4 tells us about. So, Here's where we go. So if you have your Bible in front of you, if you have an app, or it'll probably be on the screen very shortly, but I'm going to talk from or speak from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 15. And before I go into the actual verses, I'm going to give you a little context or a little setting of the Gospel of Mark and what Jesus has experienced thus far. So here's a cool fact. I don't know if you know this, but 
Mark, he was a close friend of the Apostle Peter. So Mark essentially chronicled, in other words, wrote down what Peter told him in Peter's account of his experience with Christ, with the living God. So we're hearing, it's called the Gospel of Mark, but it was relayed from Peter. Mark himself, he's reoccurring throughout the Bible, especially in the book of Acts. So it goes the four Gospels, then the book of Acts. And if you've never read the book of Acts, I just want to encourage you for this. I get fired up and excited when I read the book of Acts because it's really talking about the just the liftoff of the church after Christ died and rose again. That's when he said, body, you are going to lift off and do amazing things in this world in my name to glorify me. So the book of Acts, awesome. If you haven't read it, take a look. But anyways, Mark, he's in the book of Acts. This gospel itself is in the book of Mark. It targets what they call Gentiles. So to break that down in simplistic terms, most of the times in the Bible, we have two different bodies of people that are referred to as in, in the body. We have the Jews and the Gentiles. So I myself, as in Steve, I was not raised in the Jewish tradition, so therefore I'm technically a Gentile. That's just somebody who was not a Jew who came to know Christ. So this gospel targets Gentiles, and it does things like it carefully explains the Jewish customs. It uh, basically, another point, it has a lot of, it doesn't have as many references to the Old Testament because it's understanding that the readers may not have had those at their fingertips at their time because the Jews were primarily the Old Testament readers. So it targets Gentiles. And the theme overall for the book of Mark is that really that service and sacrifice of Christ. So the Savior from heaven came down to restore his people and show us what service was. And then group, here's another really cool thing that I like just as a fun fact about the book of Mark. It records the most miracles of any gospel. So it's a gospel written to show that amazing paradox of Christ's great authority with miracle signs and wonders, but also showing his raw, his raw service and his raw love when he was here on earth. So it's really cool. All right, so getting to the verse itself. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, the verse itself says, The time has come, he said, meaning Christ. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Okay, so he says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. So out of this, I want us to dive deeper into two key themes, repent and believe. That's going to play into being an outlier. All right, so group, all right, get your vocal cords rolling. Okay, we're going to get scholarly, not because I'm extra smart, but I can Google really well. That's, that's how I scholar very well. Um, I'm going to tell you the original word for repent in Greek as a New Testament writing is a word that is pronounced met-n-o-a-o. Met-n-o-a-o. <laughs> Not as easy, huh? We're going to do that together. I say met, met. N, N. O, A, O. Okay, cool. So group, all that, it almost reminds me of my, my former clubbing days. It sounds like a good beat. Met, N, A, O, A, Met, N, O, O. <laughs> That's where my mind goes. So anyways, the word itself in original context, in original Greek, means to change one's mind of purpose. So basically thinking differently. So Christ himself said, 
repent and believe. So in other words, he wants us to think differently than we once did. All right, so to play this into current day's world, I'm a big baseball fan. It pains me to say that in the sense of pirates are back at square one, but hopefully I and we can pray for them a lot. Uh, but some years back, the Pirates had Barry Bonds. If you're not familiar with baseball, just know that he's been one of the best players ever who's won a lot, a lot of awards, but there's been a lot of controversy around Barry Bonds. So think back to a time, if you are familiar with the Pirates and or baseball, Barry Bonds was a player for us in the 80s and early 90s. And when he played for the Pirates, he was a beast. And we loved him in this town. Barry Bonds was the man. He won an MVP, won gold gloves when he was a Pirate. But in 1993, he chased, well, he went to another team. He went to the San Francisco Giants. And the perception was that he went there for the money because they offered him a big paycheck. Okay, so play that out a little bit deeper, a little bit further down the road. After he went to the Giants, a few years after that, there started to become allegations that he was using steroids. I don't know if he did or didn't, thus why it's allegations. But the idea is that he was a pirate, loved in the city. Then he left for a bigger contract. And then there was a perception that he was potentially cheating due to steroid use. So basically Pittsburgh went from the idea of him being a hero to him being greedy to him being a cheater. Pittsburgh's mind changed very much because of things that Barry Bonds did or didn't do. But there was a whole different thought process about Barry Bonds. So today, if Barry Bonds came to town, us Yinzers, a.k.a. us Pittsburghers, Yinzers would likely boo him. That's not necessarily right to do, but that's because a whole shift of mind has occurred about Barry Bonds. So going back to the book of Mark in chapter 1, the word repent is referring to sin. So I'm going to say very clearly that, and again, I'm just speaking honestly to you because I've had to confront these things within myself, but if you are living in any, any kind of pattern, behavior, addiction, or thought process that isn't right, isn't of God and doesn't glorify him, in other words, is sinful, then I will absolutely strongly encourage you to bring it to God, admit be honest with him and tell him that you need help and you need a savior to break through those things. Ultimately, be honest with God. Lay it on the cross of Christ. Christ on the cross said, it is finished. In other words, these things can be wiped away. Then turn from it. So in the context of the verse, that's what Jesus was really declaring. Turn away from that sin. But I'm going to bring it from a little bit of a different side. So going back to that Barry Bonds analogy. It's the same as us as a Christian. Christ came into our lives and changed us from the inside out so that sin in our old ways of thinking, our old ways of doing, were not, are not things that we have to strive or aim for anymore. So to play that into today's age, the word repent can be thinking in a different way. I'm going to identify this word as God, or Jesus not only telling us to turn away from our sin, but also to turn away from the enemy who creates a different thought pattern that isn't healthy. Here's the reality group. What I've experienced in my life as a Christian and non-Christian is that there's a lot of thoughts and beliefs that can play into how I act, how I am, and how I perceive things. And my own perception and own experiences and from a biblical perspective is that the enemy, aka the devil, 
He wants to influence our thoughts. He wants to influence our beliefs. He wants to influence our patterns of behavior. But Jesus said very clearly, repent, as in think differently. Turn away from those things that the enemy has once convinced you of. So I'm going to explain a little bit of that deeper. Okay, so group, my goal is not to scare you, not to make you feel like this is Halloween. Why is he talking about the devil? But here's the truth. God's truth talks about the devil. So therefore, we would be stupid not to at least understand what his ambition or desire is. So I'm going to share some verses that feed into that and then help us understand how this plays into the whole coronavirus and how we're experiencing life. So the devil has clear ambitions according to the Bible. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Excuse me. It says, Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Okay, so first piece. The enemy is portrayed as a roaring lion coming after us. Okay? Another part in the Bible. In Ephesians 6, specifically in verse 10 and carrying on, it talks about the schemes and strategies that we need to defend against. So the verse itself says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be, may be able to stand your ground. That's powerful. Okay, so again, thus far, we have an enemy, the devil, who's like a roaring lion who's coming after us. He has schemes and strategies that he tries to go against us with. In John, the book of John, chapter 10, verse, verse 10, he's described as a thief. And it says, the thief only, or excuse me, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Then it says, I, and this is Jesus talking, so Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. Okay, so we have a roaring lion with schemes and strategies who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And finally, group, I want to read another verse to you. Just kind of, again, playing into the personality and the things that are predictable about the devil. And this verse really helped change my life of some things that I was battling through as well. So in John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, and this is Jesus talking, and he's talking to a crowd around him that basically is against Christ, against God and what he stands for. And Jesus is very making a very, very direct statement to that crowd around them. So Jesus says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and a father of lies. So group, it's pretty interesting when you really peel this back. We have a lion that's coming after us, as in the devil that's coming after us. He uses schemes and strategies to, to try to take us out. His intention is only to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's the father of lies. So he lies to us. He manipulates us. He deceives us to try to get us to be influenced or tempted to not believe God and believe him. And the devil, he's also called Satan. In original terms, like in the Bible, original language, that translates to the adversary and or accuser. So 
reason why I wanted to call that out is we have an enemy who is adversarial to us and God and an enemy who accuses us and tries to convince us of things that are not true. So group, all that to get to a place of I am encouraging you and encouraging myself that we can turn away from the tempter and what he has said about us. The fears and the what ifs that he perpetuates consistently. The things that aren't true. Going back to that Philippians 4, anxiety. The enemy uses anxiety and that's rooted in what ifs and maybe sort of kindas that haven't happened yet. So don't allow that seed to be planted in your heart and mind because honestly group, I've experienced this, but that seed will plant, it will grain a foothold and grow to try to destroy the crops around it. So all that to say, we have an enemy that wants us to be defeated. We have an enemy that wants to hold us down with anxiety and fear and worry and angst of the world. But we don't have to, okay? Repent and believe. So repent, turn away, think differently, be different, okay? So now we've turned away. I'm just playing this out. So now we've turned away from what the devil's tried to convince us of. We're no longer going to surrender to the, the mass media of the devil in the sense of the things that he tries to play into us and have us listen to and, and believe constantly. So we've decided that God's in control. We've decided that our employer, our doctor, our news channel is not in control during the coronavirus pandemic. But how do we sustain that? How do we go from, okay, that sounds good for me right now, but how do I live that out Monday through Saturday when I'm not at church? Well, group, that goes to the second phase of Mark chapter 1, verse 15, where it says, repent and believe the good news. Okay, so we're going to get scholarly again, aka Google Scholar. So the word believe in Mark chapter 1, verse 15 is pronounced pistioio, pistioio. So we're going to do that together. Pist. Okay, now wash your mouth out. You just said a bad word, but anyways. Pist yoyo, okay? So that's the original term for believe in this context of Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Here's the really cool thing. The original meaning of that, because we, we use word believe like, I can believe that it's going to rain tomorrow when it's not. I can believe that the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl when they may not. I can believe that a lot of things are going to happen that may not. So we use that word believe in very uh, collective ways and very universal ways, but specifically in this context, that word meant to persuade or be persuaded to affirm something or have confidence in it, okay? So to be persuaded, affirm something, and be confident in it. Okay, so that's a strong belief if you ask me. So I'm gonna analogize this to something else. So for me, I was and still am very persuaded that God has called Sarah and I together as husband and wife. And I believe that God had this plan before Sarah and I even knew this was a plan, that she and I would be, you know, we would date, be engaged, be married, and have a family together. Don't get me wrong. Sarah and I have had difficulties, trials, and errors, mostly on my end. I will admit that. But honestly, nothing's been able to waver, she or I knowing that we were and are meant to be married and live this life together. So there's a whole God testimony involved with that. Um, of how we were introduced and how God made it happen, but I'm going to save that for a movie that we'll hopefully get someday and be able to live in that mansion that I talked about. Okay, but I've not only been persuaded 
but I've been affirmed in that belief about mine and Sarah's marriage. So Sarah has stood with me during mountaintops and valleys. I've encouraged and loved her when it wasn't easy to encourage or love her. We've had examples of affirmations and will continue to. These are all a part of mine and Sarah's relational story together. And basically, I believe and have confidence that our love story will remain strong until God calls us home to heaven. I believe that, and I'm confident in that. But group, let's play this out a different way. Aside from me and Sarah, or Sarah and I, that's better grammar. Aside from Sarah and I, this same thing of belief in that kind of relational story can be or should be the same with you and God. After you've turned away from believing the lies, now turn to and believe in who God is. Group, church, church family, listen here. God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. God is the one who parted the Red Sea to bring his people to freedom. God is the one who spoke through a burning bush. God is the one who protected men in a burning hot oven. God is the one who turned water into wine. God is the one who fed thousands with a few fish and a few loaves of bread. God is the one who has healed the crippled, brought sight to the blind, gave hearing to the deaf, gave words to the mute, and raised the dead. God is the one who took yours and my sin to the cross and declared that it is finished because his death and resurrection broke those shackles from us. God is the one who was resurrected three days after dying on the cross to show that not even death has a sting or control over him. God is the one who counsels you in your sadness or fears or anxieties when you're all alone. Maybe you're, you're awake at night. God is with you, calming those. God is the one who tells you that you are no longer a slave to that sin that has had a hold of you for years. And God is the one who will never leave nor forsake you. During that coronavirus, during a cancer battle, during your loss of a loved one, during financial strains and stress that you feel, or during the peaks of victory that you have or will go through, he is that same God. Group, in the book of Ezekiel, one of my favorite Old Testament books, for whatever reason, it's just been really cool to read through it because it's wild, it's very unique, it's, there's a lot going on in the book of Ezekiel. But in that book of Ezekiel, God declares over 60 times that everyone may know that I am the Lord, a.k.a. know that he is the great I am. The people that God was speaking to in the book of Ezekiel were honestly going through a really tumultuous and difficult time. So if you ever get a chance, they were not in an easy situation. But God continued to remind them. And he kept bringing them back to that fact of affirmation, confidence, and assurance that he is Lord. So church, what I want to encourage you with is believe that God is who he says he is during this day today and life moving forward. Honestly, cancel out those lies of the enemy with the truth of God. Read your Bible Pray, have fellowship, speak God's word into reality. Speak God's reality and stability over this unreal and chaotic time because his word has authority, but you got to believe. 
So group, we talked about repenting and believing, turning away from your thought patterns, turning away from the sins that held you back, and believing in Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that God is who he says he is. So Treeline, this same analogy can be played into you, not just Sarah and I. So the same thing with you and your relational story with God. So group, after you've turned away from believing lies, now turn to and believe in God and specifically who God is. So I'm going to read some things off just to kind of jog that memory of who God is. God is the one who created the heavens and the earth. God is the one who parted the Red Sea to bring his people to freedom. God is the one who spoke through a burning bush. God is the one who protected men in a burning hot furnace. God is the one who turned water into wine. God is the one who fed thousands with a few fish and a few loaves of bread. God is the one who has healed the crippled, brought sight to the blind, gave hearing to the deaf, gave words to the mute, and raised the dead. God is the one who took both yours and my sin to the cross and declared that it is finished because his death and resurrection broke those shackles and chains for us. God is the one who was resurrected three days after dying on the cross to show that not even death has a sting or control over him. God is the one who counsels you in your sadness or fears when you're alone. God is the one who tells you that you're no longer a slave to that sin that has held you back for years. And God is the one who will never leave nor forsake you. During the coronavirus, during a cancer battle, during a loss of a loved one, during an addiction, during your financial strains, or even during the peaks that life can bring to. So group, that's God, okay? Believe that and receive that. Group, in the book of Ezekiel, it's one of my favorite Old Testament books. I love it a lot. It's, you know, how we all have things that impact us in different ways. The book of Ezekiel has definitely had a tremendous impact on me. And in the book of Ezekiel, God declares over 60 times that all may know that I am the Lord, that he is the great I am. The people that God was speaking to, honestly, in, in the book of Ezekiel, were not going through an easy time. Read up on it. They were in a different place against their will. They were experiencing a lot of battles and difficult things against them. They were in a very, very, very tumultuous time. Yet, God kept bringing them back to that affirmation, confidence, and assurance that he is the Lord who has control. So Treeline, what I want to encourage you with is you need to believe. I would encourage you to believe that God is who he says he is during today and life moving forward. Treeline, cancel out those lies of the enemy with the truth of God. Read your Bible, pray, have fellowship, speak God's reality and stability over this really unreal and chaotic time. So group repent and believe. Again, a two-part thing that can really transform what's going on in your life. So I'm going to close it out with 
couple verses. So again, baseball analogy, we always have the closer to end the game. These are a couple verses that have directly hit me a few different times in many different ways. So the first one, Hebrews 11.1. 1. This verse states, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Next verse, Romans 12.2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, you will be able to test and approve what's God will, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, Treeline, this is an honest question that I'm asking you and I ask myself often. Can you be an outlier in this world, or will you become, or will you be someone who hasn't changed, hasn't been redeemed, and hasn't been reborn of the living King of Kings? You have responsibility in this. You can accept and receive the gift of Christ and believe that he is greater than the coronavirus. Believe that he is greater than the difficulties of health trials. That he is greater than the job situation that you're worried about. Take that responsibility seriously and be an outlier in this world. So think about it. Whatever your coronavirus is, be an outlier due to the strength and grace of Jesus Christ. So, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know the Alpha and Omega. In other words, the beginning and the end, a.k.a. God. I know the Creator, the Lord Himself. I know that He's the giver and taker. I know that He's the Father in heaven. I know that He's the Savior of the world. I know that He's the Holy Spirit Counselor who gives peace. So, group, this isn't Christian lip service, but I mean it very sincerely, and I'm grateful but I have peace and ease in this chaotic time. I truly do because I believe that God is who he says he is and I believe that God loves me and died and rose for me. So maybe the last thing I'm going to share from a personal side. Here's a little uh, insight into the Nicholas household. So when my wife and I leave our home to go to work, um, we'll often pray together before we leave and either she or I will, will recite these words to each other. We'll say, remember whose you are. It's not referring to each other. It's not saying, hey, I'm, I'm your wife or you're my husband. It's saying, remember that we are God's. Remember that we are God's child. That starts my day in a different way. Because the things that come against, the things that I'm hearing on the news, the things that the world is trying to create in me in my thought process and the things that the enemy, a.k.a. the devil, a.k.a. Satan, is trying to portray or make me believe, I don't have to because I remember whose I am. So, I know that God has sent the Son to die for us and I'm His. I leave remembering that I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I want you to do the same. I really encourage you to do the same because otherwise, this world isn't easy. So, I am able to be an outlier because of the great I am. So what about you? So group, I'm going to pray for us. And if you don't know Christ, go back to that Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Repent and believe. Admit the sins that you've had in your life. Admit that you don't want those to be yours anymore. Admit that you need a Savior and believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior that he claimed to be. 
repent and believe and come into relationship with him so that you can be an outlier in this time and your life moving forward. And I'm just going to close this in prayer and pray blessings over you and I both. So Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, the redemption that you have given us, the ability to, to have peace in an unpeaceful time, to have confidence in a time that we can have very weakened morale. God, you have given us so much grace, but also authority in this time, but it's all from you. So Heavenly Father, I pray that we accept that. I pray that we believe in that. And I pray, pray that we continue to walk, talk, be, and think as you have called us to be. And Heavenly Father, if there's any temptations, if there's anything that the enemy continues to put in front of us, Lord, I pray that you break that from us because your authority and word is stronger. So Lord, in this day and in our weeks moving forward, I pray your protection over us. I pray your security over us. And God, I pray our faith into you and only glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.